G'day podcasters, Josh here. Welcome back to the Podcaster's Survival Guide. Today is part two of our conversation with professional comic and veteran podcaster Dan Bublitz Jr. We had some really great feedback, particularly on Twitter for part one. So thank you to those people that shared the show or retweeted or just left a comment somewhere about the quality of that last episode. It was really, really amazing. So thank you for that. And most of that was due to how great Dan was. We talked today about making a real connection with your guest or guests on an interview style show. Dan has a lot of really great insight into this because Dan deals with everyone from a comic that may have been in the industry and performing for 12 months through to veterans that are regarded as all-time greats. And he has to try in that hour or hour and a half of his show, The Art of Bombing, to make a real human connection with those people so his listeners feel like they're part of something real. So Dan's really great at that, and the information he shares is really great. I know because I've already edited that part of the show. We also talk about taking advantage of moments that might come up in a live podcasting situation. Dan's got a really great story about being flexible and going with the flow, and he ended up producing probably my favorite episode of his show. So that's cool. And of course, being a podcast show, we have some hashtag gear chats. So just before we kick in today with Dan, this show that you're listening to is in part listener supported. So how we're taking support is predominantly by shares. So a retweet or a share on Facebook or just sharing via an email to someone, sharing something on LinkedIn, whatever it is, we appreciate that. But you can also go to buymeacoffee.com slash deadpod or deadsetpodcasting.com, which is the website where this show lives and click on the buy me a coffee button. But as we've said before, a share is as good as a dollar. So if you think the show can help someone, please do share it with them. Righto, this is Dan Bublitz Jr. He's an awesome human. Let's do this thing. You have a little element in your show which has developed in the last maybe 50 to 100 episodes maybe that I can remember off the top of my head. I have listened to all of them, I think, in the last 12 months. Nice. Thank and I had you. to go back and download all the old ones, which was kind of annoying, but I got them all off the <laughs> <I> website. <laughs> but I got them, but I think you told me that's where they were, so that was helpful. Stand-up soundbite. So what this is for people at home is there's a small chunk of maybe an entire bit, or if the person's more of a one-liner comic, maybe several jokes in a row that a couple of minutes long, and after Dan introduces the comic, he doesn't spend a whole lot of time telling you their biography you're summing these people up as an intro with a little piece of their own audio. How, mm-hmm. hard, how hard is that audio to clear to start with? And you as a veteran comic, you've been doing it for more than a decade from memory. What if they send you a piece of audio you know is not their strongest? Do you have any backwards and forwards about, okay, well, I remember you've got this great bit, and maybe it's new and they don't want to burn it by putting it out there, but... How do you honestly, a lot of times if it, if it's something that ain't that I don't think is that great, you know, cause a lot of times they'll send me like a, you know, more than I need. So yep. I kind of get to pick from what they send, but it, if it's not good at all, I'll just go look at their YouTube and see if there's something better and just do it. <laughs> you know, like I don't even usually say anything cause nobody, they usually don't come back and be like, Oh, I didn't want that bit or whatever. And depending on, and also depending on the comic too, you know, because there are some comics obviously where people are searching their names, you know, like a comic like Louis Anderson as an example, 
you know, if he was to say, hey, don't put any of this on there, whatever, not going to do it. Mm. You know, yeah, not going to try to get myself in any legal trouble. <laughs> but for the most part, I haven't had a lot of issue with it because getting the rights, a lot of it, I make sure when I that's part of the the uh, screening process. After I book a guest, I set up a Google form that I have all my guests fill out. That gives me all the information I want there, you know, gives me their email, their website, all their social media handles, their bio. Uh, I ask them questions, you know, to kind of things that I'm going to need an audio clip or a video clip that I can download. And I make sure that they they have the rights to give me permission to use that Hmm. because any podcaster knows if you don't have the rights, you know, any copyright issues can really mess you up down the road. Yeah, correct. (laughs) So you've got this amazing form and what I want to know, how do you get these guests of yours, particularly if they're a little bit more pure artist types, how do you get them to even fill out something like that? And do you have any resistance to even doing it? Not so much resistance as sometimes I just have to prod them along. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, I got to be persistent sometimes. And honestly, that doesn't. It doesn't happen as much as you would think, which I was actually surprised about. I think in in this case, they're, you know, because the form doesn't take a ton of time to fill out, mm. you know, and there's some guests that I don't push it on. There's, you know, I'll admit some of my bigger celebrity guests, I'm not like, hey, fill this form out. You know, I'm just they're giving me their time. They're gracious enough to give me their time. Mm. I'm just going to you know, do the recording. I can, they got a website that has all this stuff. Cause they have a whole PR team more than likely, you know? So, yep. Yep. But yeah, I don't really get it. It's more about just being persistent, you know? And if it comes, push comes to shove and a comic hasn't filled out the form, I just go get what I can get off a website or off the internet. And then if they come back at me and they're upset, I just say, Hey, you didn't fill this out. I have a, I have a deadline that I have to keep. That's on you. If you didn't want this on, you should have put it on the, you know, you should have filled this out. Nice. But in my, since I started using the form, which has been in the last probably year or so, and trying to, you know, that was more for me getting organized. I haven't had any real issues with that. I mean, most people fill it out and they usually do it pretty timely. You know, That's good. And it's good to hear that they're so open to doing that. Because I think the way you've oriented your form from what you've described, Dan, is that please allow me, the show creator, to promote you after the fact in the best possible light, but also to portray you on the show in the best possible light. And this form helps me do that. It's not yep. You're not sending them three pages of potential questions to read in advance and then the last, nope. line, the last line says something like, we may not use any of these questions, like, <laughs> which I've heard about that floating around the space too that people want you know, someone to go through literally, can you answer all of these questions in text for me first? Oh, yeah. And that's very, that would be too much. I feel like that's demanding too much out of your guest. <laughs> yeah, no. But one thing I wanted to talk to you about, and you seem completely comfortable as an interviewer, even way back in the day, going wherever the conversation takes you and you don't have a preset agenda about what you want the answer to be. And that goes back to what I just said about people asking for answers in advance, that's kind of why even have the guest on. You could just read out what they wrote back. Like, yeah, you could write, you could just, yeah, either read it or write a blog about it. Correct.
This episode was edited by Deadset Podcasting. If you want your podcast to sound this good, check out deadsetpodcasting.com forward slash services. Get the sound you're chasing. For me as a podcast listener, and I think even in shows like this that talk about the medium, and I'm sure it happens in shows about making comedy better, people forget about the person on the other side sometimes and they think too much about what's best for them as the creator, not what's best for the listener to hear at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. I want to know that the host maybe has some idea, but I like listening to shows myself where the, the host at some level is on the same journey I am to the answer or to the end of the story. And, mm-hmm. I, and I heard it said recently, I'm not sure who said it, but they said never ask a question that you know the complete answer to because it's a complete waste of time. Do you ever feel on your show, because you don't really know where a comedian's going to go, do you ever feel like, oh, I don't know, is, is this question risky? Could this take us somewhere we don't want to get to? <laughs> well, and I mean, and I feel like there's been moments where that has happened and, and or come close and then I'll, I'll, I'll steer it a different way just because, you know, or sometimes, and I very rarely do any editing in the fact where I take things out, but if I have to, I will take some stuff out. But I, that's going back to kind of, you know, the theme and the direction of the show. One of the things, one of the goal things that I always set out to do with this show is I want to grow the conversation organically. I don't want it to be forced. You know, I have a, a set of questions that I like to ask. If I don't get to them, I don't care as long as the conversation is good. But I mean, my goal is always, I feel like the people who come to listen to the podcast they're coming for two reasons. They're coming for one, the guest, or two, and two, because they want to learn more about bombing and getting better at comedy. And I'm just the host. This isn't about me. It is It is my show, but it isn't my show. The show's better the less I talk. The more my guest is talking and, and giving their insight and their perspective on things, the better the episode's going to be. My job is just to kind of navigate and keep things, you know, kind of on track. So I've that's I'm always trying to I want to grow the conversation organically. You know, I I know where we're going to start. No clue where we're going to end, which is fine as long as it's a good conversation and it doesn't get, you know, you know, racy or, you know, a little ed too edgy for, you know, the public because I don't want to, you know, I'm not trying to put out that kind of that kind of media. You know, I don't I'm genuinely I feel like I'm a good person, kind person. Putting out that kind of stuff is probably against my own moral code. And I've had a couple comics where you'll listen in the intro. I preference the episode and I say I've had to do that a couple times where the the conversation got a little and I'm like, I'm going to warn everybody. This is what happened. Their opinions are not mine. Listen at your own risk. But no. This is not me. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that works for your show because racy and risky and those words might paint a picture in people's minds that we're talking about something potentially really horrendous, but it could be just the fact that a normal comedy podcast may go into some blue territory and stay there yeah, for a while. Yep, yeah. Your show is yep. more educational than what a mm-hmm. standard comedy podcast is and also your brand outside of the podcast is that you predominantly, I think, and maybe now only do clean comedy yourself. 
I yeah, I've been more labeled as a clean comic, and that's a label that other people have put on me because <laughs> okay. I do a lot of stuff clean, which is fine. Yep. I, I don't mind it at all. I look at it. I'm just trying to be a comic. I right. just know that clean comedy is more marketable, and I just I got lucky with some of my mentoring at, when I was early on, and so I just write clean. I mean, I don't even try. I'm not like trying to be clean. I just yep. do it. <laughs> So that probably explains, Dan, it was a question that I had. And, I, and getting back to the thing about having a list of questions, I haven't looked at mine yet, I don't think. I know, you, you've got that pad. Uh, yeah, that no, pad I might as well put it down. I haven't, look, it's dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. I haven't looked at it once. So you don't seem to have a problem in just, for example, when it comes to classifying a show explicit or clean, usually that's language-based or content-based. Mm-hmm. The show, I mean, they're comedians you're talking to, so words are going to fly. Yep. But you don't tend to use a lot of those words yourself. Have you thought about how that, and I would ask this of anybody doing a show, because my show has moved from clean, this is my local interview show, to I've never put a cap on language. It just depends on who the guest is. But if they swear, I tend to swear more, and so does my co-host, Mel. If they don't swear at all, we don't even venture near that territory, and I just think it's a natural thing from doing it for 10 or 12 years. Do you have any worries as a show producer that a show is maybe there's a fair bit of language in there? It may impact your brand outside of the show at all. Um, I I mean, I've thought a little bit about that, but not a lot. I mean, because yet I am, you know, kind of being labeled as a clean comic. I do have a dry bar comedy special that's going to be coming out. And I'm sure when people see that, they're going to assume all my stuff is clean. That's and kind they of start listening where my I was podcast. going with that. <laughs> yeah and it's i i mean i think about it very little like it's there but not because at the end of the day i'm talking to comics and i'm not responsible for what they're what they say or yep. what, you know what kind of language they do i just try to you know keep myself in check so nice. you know my part of the show my brand is i'm still being you know appropriate Sometimes I do swear, and that's because I do in real life. I mean, that's you know who I am. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I have a I joke about this where I'm like, outside, you know, you want to make you want to censor me, put a microphone in front of my mouth. That's when I'm clean <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Otherwise, not a comedy. <laughs> yeah, behind the mic, I'm a terrible swear. Like I talk bad all the time. <laughs> yeah, but, well, so do um, I. Sometimes I catch myself at work thinking, Josh, you had more f words in that sentence than you did words. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I have put a, I have thought a little bit about it, but and, and an example of this. So I'm working on a new podcast project and I made a conscious decision that I didn't want profanity or bad language in that podcast. And I created a form for my guests on that one as well. And that's one of the things that I put in there. It's a, a disclaimer where I say, hey, I want to have a wider reach. I want this. And, and it's not to be family friendly or necessarily because my brand is, you know, more of a clean comic. It's because I have a potential to reach a wider audience. You know, it's safe for work, that kind of thing. Where my comedy podcast, it could be safe for work, but then would it be as entertaining to people? Probably. Well, maybe, but probably less natural. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think it would lose the, 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 it wouldn't be as organic. Correct. And I only asked that, Dan, and I won't go into too long a story here, but it's something I've always battled with that on the mic, 
I have an ability to censor myself in terms of swearing. And then I get off the mic and then it's just flying left, right and center. I always wonder, should I be censoring myself more in day-to-day life and looking for alternatives to what I'm saying? Because sometimes, <laughs> sometimes one pointed swear word can cover myriad sentences in one word and get the point across, whatever that point is you try to make. But I always think to myself, if a word did come out, a swear word, because that is me in the end, that's me. Yeah, yeah. And it goes, you got to kind of stay true to yourself. Yeah, it goes back to who am I actually trying? Because the thing is, being an indie producer, we're only accountable to ourselves in the end. Yep. And maybe our core audience. But I think that sometimes things filter into your head that are, they wouldn't swear on a big radio show, even though they might all be comedians on there and they might swear all the time. They can do it. Why can't I? Or whatever the reason is, people might, you know, not having as much reach. Should I be worried about that when my show's only focused on a small part of the world? I don't think the local pastor or the local, you know, mayor or whatever are listening to my show anyway, so I don't think it matters if yeah. I say the F word. <laughs> but we can get our heads all twisted is what I'm trying to get at, worrying about what everyone else thinks but ourselves and our audience. No, that's very true. I, you know, I mean, I I guess I don't, I sometimes I have a filter on, but I don't. I'm the same. Like I don't, you put me in front of a mic and, and I think that it isn't so much about, you know, being, you know, a good person or, you know, not being true to yourself. <laughs> I think it, it goes down to being professional Yeah. You, when you're, even though we're indie producers and podcasters and entertainers, there's still professionalism that needs to be in place. And when, while I might not be getting paid to do my podcast, it's, I look at, I come at it as it's a job. Mm. You know, I'm, I need to be professional. If I'm not being professional when I'm doing this, then, you know, it makes, you know, makes my brand look bad or makes me look bad. But outside of that, I mean, I don't, nobody can be professional all the time. <laughs> you know, if I'm hanging yeah. out with my friends at a, at a bar, having a beer, I don't, there's no reason I need to censor myself, you know, yeah. but when I'm working, got to be professional. <laughs> yeah, they might be a bit uncomfortable if you're pulling them up on all their swear words. You might not have many friends. <laughs> They're yeah, probably well, gonna, yeah, I mean. We'll sit over here. You can just stay there. <laughs> <laughs> so I just wanted to finish up with the classic podcasting gear chat quickly, Dan, because I know we're coming up on the hour. You've been very generous with your time. Can you talk us? We talked about the fact you were doing everything through a phone early on, mm-hmm. and then you went through a period of using different kinds of technologies to capture the interviews, including StreamYard. And I'm not always convinced that adding video to things unless you're making a video show actually helps the production of a show because you're instantly injecting bandwidth issues into things. But you seem mm-hmm. you seem to navigate that whole period pretty well. And now you seem to be running a different set of gear altogether. And I know people have just probably been hanging out. Just talk about gear. That's all we want to hear about. <laughs> So can you maybe talk us through that progression, maybe both hardware and software, and then we'll finish up? No, absolutely. So like, yeah, like you said, I started recording on my cell phone. I've always been a, a droid person. I uh, usually have a, 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 you know, Samson of some sort. I started on a cell phone using the interview mode and I had, I don't even remember what kind of computer I had then, just like an HP or something. You know, nothing fancy, but I've always because I, I used to dabble a little bit in filmmaking. So I've, I've always have editing programs and I always have used Sony Vegas products. So 
I well, and so like I use Sony SoundForge and I use Acid Pro for for audio and and I do once in a while I've started using Audacity for a few things because it has some features that are more user friendly than some of those other programs that I have. But so I pretty much have used the same software the entire time I've been podcasting. Uh, hardware, on the other hand, yeah, I started with my cell phone. Then my buddy and I were going to do another podcast together, and we bought some mics, and we got a Yamaha USB mixing board so it could hook into the computer. I started using that, but I didn't successfully install the driver. So there's a handful of episodes where I think I'm using uh, this great, sounding equipment and for some reason i sound really good but my guests aren't sounding good they sound like they're in another room Wonderful. and i can't figure <laughs> couldn't figure it out finally a, another comic friend who was doing the podcast we kind of did some troubleshooting one day and it turned out i didn't have the right drivers installed for that mixing board so that whole time i wasn't using that to record i was using the microphone that's what i was on say. my laptop yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Yep. That's why my screen was in front of my guests, so they weren't getting picked up as well as I was. Yes, um, got that working. So then, you know, use that a little bit more, and that's that's really when the quality started kind of picking up as far as that goes. And I've tried different microphones when I've had the resources to upgrade. You know, I started with a basic thirty dollar Audio Technica micro, you know, handheld microphone like a stage mic. And I just slowly evolved. I tried uh, Audio Technica, I forget the the model, but it was like a condenser mic, studio mics. They were okay, but I I don't know. I I was getting good sound out of them, but because of the some of the sound filtering, I just and the, the way you have to talk into them, I noticed it was I, my guests were having a lot of trouble using them. Okay, and so. I was like, well, that's just not going to work. So, so now I use, uh, I just have the the Rode Pod mic. It's very simple to use. You you know, it you just have to talk in the front of it, you know, where the other mic I had, even though there's all this mic, there's only, you know, you got to talk into the side and it's got to be the right side. <laughs> yeah, side address. <laughs> oh, and I also used a Zoom recorder, the the H4 I had that for a long time. Then when they came out with the Zoom Pod Track recorder, I upgraded to that. So I have the Zoom Pod Track 4 because it has a great USB interface. In fact, that's what I'm using right now to talk, do this podcast. I'm, I'm yep. set up that way. So I use that now, which has been really great because I can do the stuff on the computer. I can do stuff in studio. I have more, you know, there's more options for it's it's very portable. Because that was the decision when I decided to go to the Zoom. I was having trouble traveling. I had that big mixing board and my computer and I had all these things. If I wanted to record while I was on the road, I had to take all this equipment. And so I wanted to downside, make traveling easier. That's where that Zoom came in. And even now, this Zoom recorder still pretty you know, pretty easy to travel with versus, you know, big mixing board and all the equipment. Um, that's a, that sounds like a pain. <laughs> it, yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember I went to uh, San Diego because I, I, I was at the time I was the director of the comedy festival. And I was like, while I was out there, I was going to record some episodes of the podcast, get a bunch in the bank. 
And I, che- I had a check bag and half of my check bag was just my equipment for recording. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> and that's when I was like, okay, we need to look at some alternatives <laughs> Sounds to like help it. with that. <laughs> and then when the pandemic happened, I had to start doing, you know, more more stuff remotely. And that's when I really upgraded microphones and, you know, because I needed something that was USB, you know, friendly and, you know, computer friendly. And I ended up having to upgrade my computer too, because to stream my old computer was like five or six years old. It was not good at all Uh. for streaming. And it wasn't just for the podcast. It was because that's kind of where comedy was going, was doing live stream comedy and things like that. So I upgraded my computer to, it's just a, a Acer. Well, nothing super fancy, but it was like upgrade enough to handle what I needed to handle. And so I used that. As far as like the video element, I started using StreamYard. Not so. I mean, I I did release some video of the podcast, but it it again, I'm the only person doing this, and it's just too much. So I don't use a lot of the uh, the video. But for me, I like having the video you're talking about the bandwidth and stuff but i like having video because i like to see my guest because i feel like we can have a better conversation if we can see each other uh, so absolutely. and i even tell yeah i tell my guests a lot of times yes it is a i am recording video i may use a clip to do some promo probably not though yep. it's mostly i just want this so we can have a good conversation yep uh, and just a tip and so Sorry, Dan, oh, just, a, just a tip. What we talked about earlier, Dan and I, when we first got on, I mean, his video is great, and I'm in my little studio here, so and I don't think it's been breaking up on Dan's end in terms of video no. or audio. So our bandwidth is actually... I've got this connected to a 4G plus mobile tower, so it's probably chewing some serious mobile data, but it's better than home Wi-Fi. And mm-hmm. having the video on to start with, it meant oh, these are two real human beings that are really existing in the universe that are about to talk. But I did mention to Dan, if we're breaking up, if I am or we won't, it's not rude to just stop the person and say, look, that broke up, let's turn the video off. That could be the first place you save bandwidth and improve quality. Mm. But I would always now that I'm more a little bit more comfortable being on a camera in front of someone I don't know, which I wasn't always, I think it makes it more human as long as it's not affecting the product. Yo, absolutely. Yeah. But all it is and, is a little and, conversation. Just if we start breaking up, we'll turn the video off. If not, we'll leave it on. So. Yep. And I think that's that's something that I, you know, I just learned that maybe I should have did that because I had had a couple episodes where they I lost my guest and then I had to get them back and maybe if we would have just cut video, it could have, you know, we would have been fine, but sometimes I think it was there just their internet, whether, you know, cutting video probably wouldn't have did any good. <laughs> no, I mean, it could have just been drop it out completely. So, yeah. <laughs> so just for a little rundown, we've got the PodTrack P4, which is the new Zoom. Yep. And that you, Dan's also, I'm assuming, uses for, is that what you run your mic into if you're going to do a virtual comedy? Could you use that? Uh, or do yeah, you- sometimes. Depends on how... How, what the show is when I do virtual comedy. Sometimes I take it a step further, you know, because I also have uh, a Samson G series USB microphone that I do use sometimes for things. Yep. Um, Just because that was was one of the first transitions. I bought that when I bought my new computer and started doing stuff USB 
doing remote. That was before I was using the pod track for, yep. uh, forgot to mention that. Uh, so sometimes I'll just do that and sit at my desk. But if it's like, uh, if it's like a gig I'm getting paid for, you know, I have this comedy. Basically I set up my basement to do comedy shows. Sometimes I take my computer down there and I use a regular, you know, sure microphone, you know, regular comedy microphone. Yep. And so I do like an actual in front of a stage and curtain and the whole nine yards. <laughs> That's awesome. I was so, assuming that was the case because it'd be pretty yeah, weird it, having a, a radio boom arm sticking into the, the shot when you're trying to do comedy. <laughs> yeah. So it just depends on, you know, if I'm doing like a, a virtual open mic or just a short unpaid virtual set, I may sit here where I'm at and do it this way. I may sit at my desk with my, my Samson G series. But if it's I'm getting paid and it's like a corporate type thing or whatever, I want to be as professional as I can. I'll do it down in my basement in that studio. Excellent. So just to finish up today, Dan, I've already probably talked about my two favorite episodes out of The Art of Bombing. The one with Zoltan, if you just want to hear an amazing brain, but he's funny as hell. <laughs> and also, yes. <laughs> Wally, Wally Wingett was surprisingly my favorite. That's Can I tell you an yeah, interesting fact yep. about that, since that's one of your favorite episodes? Yeah. So that a- episode happened on accident, and this is what happened. So I originally had Eugene from WWE. Uh, he was a wrestler. I originally had him. He he actually lives in Sioux Falls, and he was at the. Uh, because that was recorded at Supercon, which is a, a comic book convention, you know, comic book, toys, that whole thing. And Eugene was my guest that I had booked. And he bailed on me last minute, like didn't even show up. I finally we got a hold of him. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I forgot about it. And I had some other things I had to do, whatever. And so the convention was like, hey, would you be interested in having Wally on? You know, he's this great voice actor. If I mean, if he's interested in doing it and I was like, sure, because it was going to be a, it was a live recording in front of an audience. So we had an audience there and suddenly I didn't have a guest. So he was a he was a fill in and it ended up be, becoming one of the greatest episodes. A <laughs> yeah. lot of people like that episode. Yeah. And it was a great I had a blast talking to him. He, he was so entertaining. There were a couple of moments where you were talking to him because you could tell that he was just so fast and the voice was just so amazing. And he was saying some really funny stuff. You're like, oh, you should give stand-up a try. And then he was trying to talk you out of the fact <laughs> that he wouldn't be good know, at yeah. He wouldn't be good at it. He's just made everyone listening to this, well, most, most everybody, probably think this is one of the funniest episodes of this show ever. It was just... Yeah. <laughs> but what I guess I loved most about that was... And it was not obvious at all that he was not meant to be your guest. Like that didn't come. No, I know. No, that's why. That's why it's so great that it turned out because it's like one of them. It's like a beautiful disaster. Yeah. You know, and and I have no no ill regard towards Eugene. It that kind of thing happens. You know, I mean, he was doing a lot of stuff at that convention and busy with his you know he owns a wrestling company and busy 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 i get it It wasn't a big deal so yeah it was just great that it worked that way yeah exactly so i'll put those two episodes in the show notes uh, zoltan and also the one with wally wingett and just to listen to someone with an incredible voice and can just change his voice while he's worth listening to just from a performer point of view to hear how he oh absolutely changes his voice just on the fly but is there an episode you personally 
recommend to people or that you loved doing? Even if maybe it's not the biggest or it's not one that everyone loved, do you have one that sticks out for you? I mean, obviously, getting to talk with Louis Anderson was huge. I mean, that's one that the fact that I got to do that, definitely one of my favorite episodes. Bucket, but bucket list. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but there's so many great i mean it really depends on what you know somebody's looking for when when people ask me what episodes people should listen to i'm like well there's a lot of great ones that you know for different reasons you know if you really want to get into the nuts and bolts of comedy rick roberts both episodes with him are fantastic because he's a comic that has 30 plus years of experience not just doing you know comedy at comedy clubs but public speaking and corporate comedy and podcasting and marketing and like all these things so that's always been a really great episode uh, one of my favorite episodes one of my favorite bomb stories was i think episode 50 with andrew deans He's a comic that I met in San Diego who he walked almost a thousand people. He did so bad. Like it's, it's an epic story. It's painful. That's what it is. It it absolutely is. It's making me feel, feel the pain again when I first listened to it. (laughs) Yeah. And it, and it, you know, and it, it, that particular episode just, it's great because of that story. It made a great story. That's a, and that's what I love about the podcast is how, I get these great stories. You can turn these these bad moments around and find some kind of silver lining out of it. So those are ones that stick out. Yeah. I mean, Dusty Slay was a great guest. Dustin Nickerson had a really good story about bombing at a college. Like I said, Zoltan was great. There's so many. It's hard for me to pick just one. <laughs> but I mean, I had Chad Daniels on right after Louis Anderson. So mm-hmm. it was like. Yeah. Can I ask? I know we're going a bit long here. Dan, but yep. do you have, no, any, you're fine. Do you have a I few minutes? Yeah, yeah. D- Dusty Slay, he's obviously regarded as a bit of a genius comedian, but he does. I've listened to his podcast a few times since then, and just to keep listening because I discovered him on your show, he seemed like a funny person, but an interesting person. But he also seems like a very complex personality if you don't know him. It took you guys a, oh, l- I- a little bit of time to warm to each other, and yep. he didn't feel, didn't initially sound like he was giving you anything. Like he was, mm-hmm. and you kind of became more comfortable over the course of the interview. Was this anything going on in your mind that you could leave people with today when you have someone you know is great and they're maybe not open from the first moment of the show that they take a little bit to warm up? Was it what was going through your head during that one? With that one, I was just trying to, because I honestly, I think part of that one, I was having some technical issues. He was one of the one of the episodes where I don't know if I had my new laptop yet. Like, I think I had it ordered, mm. but it hadn't arrived yet. Yeah. So I was still having a few little little minor technical issues. So I think that was part of it where he came in at, well, maybe this guy ain't that professional, you okay. know, but. Honestly, a lot of it for me, I was just thinking, all right, I got to just go. I got to keep going forward. He's given me his time. I have I am having some issues. People are a little more understanding about that. But now I just got to find a way to like, you know, find a way to relate. It goes back to what we talked about earlier, Mm. you know, just trying to find, you know, keep going. I don't give up. I'm not just like, (laughs) oh, well, I guess we can't talk. You're not going to work for this podcast. I just keep trying to make the conversation go until people get relaxed and you're right that part of it probably was because we've never met 
that he was, I got lucky and he was booked at, uh, because of a friend of a friend or a, a mutual friend of ours put us in contact. So, and I don't mean I, I don't mean complex as pejorative either. Anyone who's listening, the interview was great and it became really great. It's just there's certain people that are more complex personalities. And mm-hmm. you've got to be prepared to do a little bit extra for certain guests, I think, than you may for other guests. And particularly if you haven't had face to face time with them, not everything's gonna be great from I'm just thinking about the new interviewer. If they get mm-hmm. a person that is and I'm sure that's part of his genius. That he's not just a, you know, regular person in that way. He's a little bit complex about how he thinks about the world and how his brain works and how fast he is. All those things can make interviewing both more rewarding, but also maybe more challenging in the moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely can make it a little more challenging because he definitely, you know, having that conversation with him too, it definitely, you know, I had to think about things a little differently, just in the sense that he has a, he's very. In, intuitive and very observant i guess that's kind of the same you know and like you said he is quick so there was things where we would be talking and then he'd have this you know whole different perspective on something and i'm just like well okay (laughs) yeah and then i have to let that little you know kind of process and go from there but i think one of the most important parts about interviewing isn't just asking questions it's listening Mm. And being in the conversation, you know, if if I'm totally tuned out while my guest is talking to me and there have been a couple moments where that has happened, where they said something and I, you know, it's going to happen. It's part of the process. But you got to try to you got to listen, because then you can when you're listening and to your guest, they're going to give you the opportunity by, you know, by sharing their thoughts with you they're going to give you the opportunity to keep it going because they're going to say something that you can then relate to something that maybe happened to you. And and you got to, you know, it's about finding that, that common ground, you know, where you're, you're be, you're kind of, you're relatable. Be relatable, everyone. If nothing else, try to be relatable. And that yeah, might find be that common ground, <laughs> common, common ground. That's an even better way to put it. So Dan Bublitz, thank you so much for being on the podcast, the survival guide. This show's for people that make independent shows predominantly, so we both make them. So I'm sure everyone appreciates your time and your knowledge and just how nice a person you are. I mean, you're a very warm person. That's probably helped having the video on for that reason. Yeah, He's a, he's a real <laughs> person, everybody. He's real. I can see him. <laughs> I do exist. He does Not exist. on the interwebs. <laughs> yeah, somewhere out there in the world, he does exist. And do you just want to tell everyone where they can find you and find the show and anything else that you'd like to give a bit of a plug to? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so I do have a website for my comedy. It's danbooblets.com. Uh, my Art of Bombing podcast, you know, there's over 200 episodes that are available that you can find that at artofbombingpod.com. Uh, right now I am on a little hiatus, but it is going to be coming back. So be patient. But if you've never listened to it, there's over 200 episodes. So you've got a lot of catching up to do anyway. I'm on all social media, D Bublitz Comedy. Art of Bombing is Art of Bombing Pod. And then I also have a new podcast that will be coming out in November called Submerged with Dan Bublitz Jr. And it's more of an interview style podcast. But my guests are talking about things that they're obsessed with, like fandoms and, you know, motorcycles and indie nail polish. Like there's so many different topics. So it's just a fun podcast where I get to talk to people about things that they love. 
So you can look for that. That'll be available on all platforms. So I will update the show notes for this episode for people hearing it in the future for when that show does come out. You can find it on social media if you want to get ahead of it and kind of know that it's coming. It's got a Facebook page, Submerged with Dan Bublitz Jr., and then Twitter, Instagram, Submerged Pod. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been awesome. And I've talked about this before, and I'll finish up with this. Discovering that a person is an even better human than maybe what you think they're going to be is the greatest pleasure in interviewing people for me. Because, I mean, we've all had people that maybe weren't quite as warm or as open or as friendly as their on-mic persona might be or on stage Mm -hmm. or if they're in a band. But when people are even better and you're feeling, you know, a warmth and a connection there, that common ground, that's pretty amazing. Oh, absolutely. I agree 100%. Righto, everyone. Thank you. And thank you, Dan. Thank you.